Thank you because we see the travail of our souls and we will be glad. We thank you because of your word that when we come before you, you hear us. And because you've heard us, we have that which we have requested of you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Um, today we will continue our study in the book of Ephesians. Of Ephesians. And um, there's, there's a song I want us to take which is um, pretty popular. Holy words, long preserved for our in this world. There is sound we got to
Father, that your word will impart us and change our lives. We give you praise and glory, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. So, last week, we started looking at Ephesians chapter 1. And um, we will round up Ephesians chapter 1 today, then get into Ephesians chapter 2, we explained that we, when we do Bible studies, we need to be aware of the versions and the translations that we are using. And we said there are two main trans, translations, if you will, of, of the Bible. All the translations you have fall under two main categories. You have the literal translations, translators, translations then you have... Um, the, what we call the, it's like free will interpreted translation, also known as the dynamic translation. In other words, people read it, they don't do it text for text, they do it word for word, or rather sentence for sentence. The literal translation, they use it, they translate it word for word. So they look for A, and they use A in this, in English, they use for a boy, they look for boy in English, they look for a boy went to town, they look for went town in English. Now, while that is great and it keeps us close to the original, because of the limitation of the English language, the English language is very limited. Those of us that speak our mother tongue, you even you know that. There are words you say in your mother tongue that when it's time to say it in English, you begin to scratch your head. Why? Because the English language is so limited. It's, it's not expressive. It's too straight-jacketed, you know. No aspersions on the British people, but the English language is just like that. So the, 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 the dynamic translations, which which is also known as the functional equivalent, seek to, rather than interpret word for word, seek to interpret sentence for sentence, thought for thought. This is what the writer is trying to say. And, and so we combine the two. We um, started last week by using the most respected literal translation among Bible scholars, and that is the New Revised Standard Version, NRSV. The KJV is also a literal translation, but NRSV is closer home. And our um, default translation in, in God's favorite house, which is a dynamic translation, which is a functional translation, which is the, the what? The NLT, the New Living Translation. So we are going to be using the two, combining 
the two. Praise the name of the Lord. We kind of stopped at verse 3, you know, last week. So we're just going to go through verse 4, verse 7, and a few key things in, in, in um, chapter 1. We said we should use our collaborative Bible studies for the other verses. And I've, I've, I'm hearing great things that are happening. People are sharing powerful revelations, praise the name of the Lord, you know, in our collaborative Bible study. So let's keep that going. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Just as he chose us in Christ, when did he choose us? Before the foundations of the world. I mean, and that is very comforting. God is not about to start guessing what is going to happen to you next. You have been chosen not when you were born. You have been chosen not when you gave your life to Jesus. You were chosen not when your mother met your father. You were chosen not when God created the heavens and the earth. You were chosen before. Wow. So, way, 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 way back, God saw me. God saw you. And God chose you. Praise the name of the Lord. Totally comforting. And he chose us to be holy and blameless. And we're going to see in, verse, in, in chapter 2, when we begin to look at this, how this is so important. God chose us to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Praise the name of the Lord. So there are a lot of talking points, if you will, from that passage of scripture. You have the issue of being holy and blameless. God wants us to be blameless. Then you have the, the, the issue of being destined. God has destined us for Life in Christ. So, the issue of predestination in itself is a whole series, really. Because, but I'll try to summarize it. Unfortunately, some people think that predestination means that I can do whatever I want to do. It doesn't matter. Once God has chosen me, I'm going to make heaven. I can beat my wife. Steal from my boss. Do anything I want to do. I am the chosen of the Lord. <laughs> That's not what it means. That's not what it means. What it means is this. God has um, predestination from a foreknowledge standpoint, not from a, an action determination standpoint. So, so what, what does that mean? That means that God knew that Pharaoh was going to harden his heart because
because God is all-knowing. Praise the name of the Lord. But Pharaoh still had to choose to harden his heart. So the, the concept of the choice of man, God will never override. So even if God wants to bless you, as predetermined to bless you, you still have to position yourself to be blessed. And that's how it works. In a nutshell. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 7 says, in him we have redemption. Again, we'll try and finish before 8 and, and, and see if we can take questions, if we have questions. So if you have a question as we're going on, just note it down and we'll hopefully take it. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of us trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. So God lavishes his grace upon us. And again, when we get into chapter 2, we are going to, we are going to see that elaborated. God lavishes his grace upon us. God does not mise his grace for us. God lavishes it upon us. If you, um, growing up, you know, there were a lot of children in, in my house when we were growing up. So, when my grandmother is dishing out the food, sometimes I used to think that she mises the food. <laughs> you know, we have like six, seven, eight, nine, or ten children, plus or minus, I'm not exactly sure. And we all are hungry children. And there's a limited amount of eba to go around. Now, <laughs> I kid you not, when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, I could eat eba like this. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. And that was me. And I was not the, I, I was not the one that could eat the most. <laughs> we have the champions of Eba in my house. <laughs> so she, she, she would ration it and ration it and ration it so that it can go round. Why? Because if she doesn't ration it, it will not go round. If she lavishes the starch, <laughs> as some people call it, if she lavishes it, by the time she gets to child number seven, the, the, the pot is finished. There's no more ebba to go around. But you see, God doesn't run out of grace. So God lavishes his grace upon us. He lavishes it and lavishes it and lavishes it. So the fact that he gives somebody this much, by the time he gets to you, he still has excess to lavish on you. And that's what the Bible is saying to us. Praise the name of the Lord. And I think we should be excited about that. I am totally, totally excited. God lavishes his, his grace upon us. Now, verse 9. The verses I skip, you go do the homework. Is that a good plan? So you, you do the homework. I'm reading from the NLT. Skip to the NLT of, of verse 9. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. Which is what? Which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, it will bring everything together. Everything. Every 
angel, every demon, every power, every, everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work according to his plan. So, really, it doesn't matter which is where the good part of predestination comes in. It doesn't matter, every part is good, I mean, the, the, the well understood part. It doesn't matter what you are facing right now. Everything is going to work out according to God's plan. Praise the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter who is being sworn in in the U.S. right now. Everything is going to work out according to God. We have people losing sleep. I have relatives that they've lost appetite to eat. I say to them, the last time I checked, Jesus is still Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. He has his everything is going to be brought under the lordship of Jesus. And if you see that scripture, it says we are united with Christ. We are the body of Christ. If Jesus is seated in the heavenly places and everything is under him and we are his body, where is your problem? It's under your feet. Literally. So, there's really no need to fret. God is in control. Say to your neighbor, God is in control. So let's go quickly to verse 13 and 14. It's, it's the NRS, NRSV says, In him you also, you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And that is big for us. When you come to Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus, you were marked with the seal of who? The Holy Spirit. And this is the pledge for our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. The NLT says, the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee. You have been marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. So even though you can't see it, in the spirit realm, there's a mark on you. Praise the name of the Lord. Even though you can't see it, the people in the demonic world, they can see it. And they can say, oh, that one is a child of God. I'm sure you've heard a lot of, I mean, those people that come from the other side. Say, oh, that one is a child of God. What are they seeing? They are seeing the mark of the Holy Spirit upon us. Praise the name of the Lord. They are seeing the seal of the Holy Spirit upon us. So, if you don't have this seal, you can get the seal today. Praise the name of the Lord. Yes, you can get the seal today. So let's go straight to chapter 2. Like I said, the things I've skipped, you go do the homework. Chapter 2, 
and we read from verse 1 to the end. Ephesians chapter 2 says, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the curse of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among the children of disobedience, those who, were, who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passion of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of rot, like everyone else, but God. Everyone say, but God, who is rich in mercy. Wow. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, it might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And it goes on and on and on. We are going to do verses 1 to 10. Hopefully we'll get to verse 10. From 11 to 22, you take that as your homework. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you take that as your homework. And, you know, once of we are just doing 1 to 10. Now, I have to go and do 11 and 22. You know, in school, when they use sample in math, the sample is always very simple. They may give you the problem. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit will teach us all in the mighty name of Jesus. The book of Ephesians focuses on the spiritual state of the church. And that's why the book of Ephesians is so powerful. It focuses on the spiritual state of the church. While other books, like the book of Acts of Apostles, some other books, they, they, they pay a lot of attention into the physical state of the church. The church in Jerusalem, the church that went to this place, this location, and that location, in this person's house, in that person's house, in, in, in Aquila and Priscilla's living room. And so, Ephesians varies, or is, is different in, in the sense that it focuses on the spiritual state of the church. And if we get the spiritual state of the church and become all that God has created us to be, then our physical existence becomes much easier. So we see in verses 1 to 3, verse 1 to 3, it just shows us our before and after. If you read the book of Romans, what Paul did in verses 1 to 3 of Ephesians, he used three chapters to do in the book of Romans. The whole of Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans 3 is 
before and after. This is who we were. And this is who we are now. And that is so important because it's so, so, so powerful. The marketers, they took it from the Bible. You know, one of the greatest, greatest way of marketing is, is word of mouth, testimonials. So, particularly those that do um, fitness and, and they have a slim, slimness pill. If you take this tablet, you will lose 20 kilograms in one day. Then, then they, they show somebody, they show the before, you see fat, fat stomach. Then they show after, you see six packs, you know. <laughs> what happens? People begin to buy the pills. Why? Because the power of before and after is undeniable. When we are able to see that this is how this person was. Now, this person did this program. This is now who this person is. All, you can't argue with that. They do a lot of lying. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> In fact, there was one that was worried about me. I was reading about that um, they take pregnant women that are not really fully showing that obviously they have fat everywhere. Then they will now show them after they've delivered, 18 months after, the same people. No, 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 no. But God's own is legit. Like the blind man that was cured. He says, whereas I was blind, but now I can see. You can't argue with that. You can't argue with that. Oh, don't give glory to God. That boy is a little boy. We know him when he was running tire in the street. Is he not Jesus, the son of the capital? He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know is this. Whereas I was, but now I can, I can see. And the same with our faith. Unless we clearly see who we were, we will not fully appreciate who Christ has made us to be. Unless you fully see who you were, you will not, the, the real new life is not going to be tangible. Unless you are able to say, the things I used to do, this life I used to live, this is who I was, now this is who I am. Verse 1, Ephesians 2. You were dead through the trespasses and sin. You know, the word there was dead. You were dead. It wasn't that you were bad. You know, we are not bad people that God is trying to make us good people. No. We were dead and God has made us alive in Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. We were dead. And that's what Paul was saying to the Ephesian church. You were dead. This is who you were. This is who you were. You need to know. Otherwise, that is the difference between being a Christian and as in having a relationship with Christ. Or being a Christian, having a title and just being religious. It's the people that are religious, they come to church, they have an, an ascent of God and, the, you know, and all that stuff. But the people that have a relationship with God, they knew that they were dead. Now they are alive. The old Femi is dead. 
the new one is alive. The old you, reckon, Paul would say in Galatians, reckon yourself as dead. Admit it that you are dead. If you don't, you, you won't work in the real life. That is how it is. You were dead. And you see, when the Bible talks about the word death, death simply means separation. That word death, dead, it means separation. Separation. So there are three ways, three types of death the Bible talks about. You have the physical death, that is, is the separation of the spirit man from the body. When, the inner, when somebody dies, the body is still there. Who has never seen a dead person before? Let me see your hands up. I've never seen a dead person before. Okay, we all have. They are still there physically, their body. But they are dead. They are dead because they have been separated from their body. Their spirit has been separated from their body. Or the Bible could mean spiritual death, which is what God is talking about in this, in this passage of scripture. Spiritual death, that is the separation of, of, the, of the soul and the spirit of man from its maker. That is, when you are separated from God, you are spiritually dead. Or the third one is, is eternal death, also known as the second death, which is while spiritual death can be on and off, someone can be spiritually dead, come to, to Christ, become spiritually alive, then become spiritually dead if it goes away from Christ. Then comes to Christ, becomes spiritually alive. But the third one, eternal death, is when God eternally passes judgment and separates the souls of people that are not aligned with him eternally. Praise the name of the Lord. I pray that none of us will experience eternal death in the mighty name of Jesus. So, from verse 1, we were separated for two reasons. We were separated from two reasons. We can see that in verse 1. You were dead because of your trespasses and sins. You were dead through your trespasses and sins. So, what kills us spiritually? What kills people spiritually? You will not die spiritually, in Jesus' name. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's the only thing you see in that scripture. Trespasses and sin. Totally different. Together, there is an intersection because all trespass against the law is sin. There's an intersection. But from the from the root cause, totally different. Sin is, you know, from the, from archery, you know, archery, you know, when you take a bow and arrow, those, the spots and they, they fire it, they want to hit the bull's eye or dart, you know, when you throw a dart and you have concentric circles and this, the innermost circle, you know that spot, 
The innermost circle is called the bull's eye. So when you throw a dart and you miss the bull's eye, the, the word used there is you've sinned the bull's eye. You've missed the mark. So to sin means to miss the mark. It means that there is a mark that God will have you reach. There is a target God will have you hit. If you miss that mark, you have sinned. Not until you sleep with somebody else's wife. So when the Bible says, all have sinned, <laughs> you raise up your hand. You know, some people, when they say all have sinned, you're like, ah, I've not stolen. Uh, I've not, you know, uh, had you know, it's, so you, you see that you need help. I need help. We all need help. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so by that root definition, to sin is to miss the mark. To transgress, on the other hand, the best way I can describe transgression is this. While we were growing up, we have some friends whose parents were military men. And they will write on their gates, military zone. Oh, you know. <laughs> Some people will say trespassers will be persecuted. Trespassers will be shot. <laughs> Don't trespass. So transgression is God has put a mark. And I said, you must not cross this mark. So transgression is you willfully cross the mark. God will say, eh, you are daring me. That's transgression. Transgression is to willfully disobey God. Willful disobedience. So a trespass is when God has drawn the line and we willfully Willfully cross it. Sinning is when God has a mark and we miss the mark. So sin speaks of our failure. While transgression or trespass speaks of our rebellion. Sin speaks of our failure to achieve the standard that God has for us. Transgression, on the other hand, speaks of our rebellion, our direct affront on God's boundaries. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and that is it's big. For some of us, the, the, the challenge is if we realize, you know, which is where uh, can I explain this? I, I don't want to stay long on verse 1. <laughs> you know. But let me, let me explain it. Which is why our relationship with God is a personal relationship with God. There are some things that are revealed in his word that it will be transgression if you cross it. There are some standards that are written in God's word that if you don't hit that standard, you have sinned. However, in your work with God, there are things God will require of you. Your personal consecration in God, with God. That God will say, everybody else can do it, but you must not cross this line. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, yes. You know, I mean, personally, there are things that other people can do. I've, I've told you before. In fact, I think that other pastors can do. Maybe they can get away with. I can't even try it. It's a good place to be. It, it puts some boundaries on you and you feel, ah. Uh, and that's, if you find yourself saying, hey, but this person is doing it, but that person is doing it, but this person is doing it, it means that you are approaching the line of trespass. Praise the name of the Lord. Back off. Tell your neighbor, back off. <laughs> if we fail to recognize our sin nature, we will not appreciate what Christ has done. What Christ has done. And when it comes to sin and trespass, transgression, is this. What you need to know of how it affects us. Is, is, I used to talk about the three P's of, of sin. So I've added another P. So there are four P's now. Who remembers the three P's? I'll give you a prize. Remember, who remembers the three P's? Come on. Let me see your hands. I remember the three P's. Of the effect of sin. Is it that you're being humble? Okay, I remember one, one. <laughs> you're whispering to your neighbor. Okay, we talked about, for time, let me just go on. <clears throat> We talked about the penalty of sin, the pollution of sin, the power of sin, and now we are adding the presence of sin. The penalty of sin. You see, when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he completely delivered us from the penalty of sin. Praise the name of the Lord. If you put your faith in Jesus and you keep following Jesus, you will not face the penalty of sin. Shaking out. However, while the penalty of sin has been taken care of, sin leaves pollution. People are defiled. People become filthy. So there's the pollution of sin. And if you look at the pollution of sin in 1 John 1 9, the word of God says in 1 John 1 9 that if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins. And he will what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will cleanse us from the pollution of sin. So when we put our faith in Christ, it takes care of the penalty. But you and I know that the pollution of sin makes the enemy have a, what they call a stronghold, Right? have something to hold on to, something to keep coming back up, something to feed on, something to... But when we confess our sins, he that is faithful and just will forgive us and what? So we can get rid of the pollution of sin. So Jesus says that the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. It means there's no pollution of sin. So that explains why some Christians, they, they are, the penalty has been sorted out, but the pollution is destroying them. 
The enemy is thriving on the pollution. The flies are gathering because there's a stench. Today, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you will come clean. And God will cleanse you of all unrighteousness in the mighty name of Jesus. And that is an ongoing process. Well, dealing with the penalties is an instant. Dealing with the pollution is ongoing. Because you will make mistakes. But please come and repent so that God can forgive you. Praise the name of the Lord. The third P is the power of sin. And you see, in, in, in Romans 6.14, Romans 6.14, the word of God says that sin will have no dominion over you. Say amen. amen. So it means that sin will not have power over you. You know, some people, they are powerless against sin. Their husbands that they really want to be faithful, but they just feel that, you know, their wives that really want to be faithful, but they just feel that they can't. They're powerless. They try, they cry, but they feel they're powerless. But today God will break the power of sin over you. Because he has made provision. He has said that sin will not have dominion over you. You will not be a slave to sin. And that is ongoing. It's an ongoing battle. Deliverance, deliverance from penalties is instant. Pollution is ongoing. Power is ongoing. From the power of sin is ongoing. In fact, deliverance from the pollution and the power of sin is what is called sanctification. Have you heard that word before? The very big grammar. You never understood it. I did it. <laughs> so sanctification, what's that? The ongoing deliverance from the power and the pollution of sin, sanctification. Then, so you have the, come on, what's the first P? Penalty of sin. Second P, pollution. Then the third P, the power of sin. Then the last, fourth P, I don't say the last because I may find a fifth one <laughs> with more study. The, the fourth one is the presence of sin. The presence of sin. You see, and God, we, we will not be delivered from the presence of sin until the day we see Jesus. Mm. That one is in the future. So, even if you don't sin, your colleague at work that you share the same desk is coming from, so you are still in the presence of, <laughs> yeah. But your own light will overcome the darkness. Say amen. So when we go to verse 2, verse 1 and 2 says, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived. In other words, there was a time, once, that is who you were. Can you see that in verse 2 again? You, you used to be like that. You used to follow the course of this world. You used to go with anything that is fashionable. You used to just do what the world, what is trending. That used to be your life. I hope it still isn't this. 
following the ruler of the power of the air. So it now reveals to us who is actually controlling the trains. Believe it or not. Let's take um, wearing your jeans, sagging your jeans at this point. I, I, I want to tell you, that's not the Holy Ghost. That trend is what, God forbid, if you come to church and pastor has his jeans here and I'm sitting like this. <laughs> what will you do? What will you do? <laughs> you say, you try and help me. You know, I know you will run. You love me. You try and help me. You say, oh God, can you please help us pull up this thing? So that we can focus on Jesus. <laughs> we used to live for the trends. God is saying that used to be then. He's not talking about being nice, being fashionable, being, you know, uppity. That's not what God is saying. There are obvious trends that are not of God, and they are controlled by the power of the air, the spirit that is at work in the children of disobedience, among those who are disobedient. So the, the word lived there, you once lived, it's, it's the word to meander, to, to roam aimlessly, so God was saying that you used to roam aimlessly. You used to go from place to place. You think you knew what you were doing, but you were actually roaming aimlessly. That is who you were. But now, this is who you are. You are a child of God. So, when you get to verse 3, it says, all of us. <laughs> so, it, 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 no, no, it affects all of us. It, it's not, it's not, there's no earlier than thou here. We've all... <laughs> We've all, <laughs> we've all been there. If God did not deliver you, you can't be delivered. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath. Like everybody else. I'm laughing because I'm just remembering. When I said all of us, I was seeing myself. All of us, all of us, all of us. <laughs> all of us. We need a savior. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You see, and that is where it is. If you don't see who you were, you wouldn't know that you need a savior. Some people come to church and say, they say we should be born again. What does that mean? They say, but you've been coming to church all your life. Why can't they say you should be born again? Do you understand what I'm saying? So you can't really see your need of a savior because you think you are good or you used to be bad. Now you are becoming better. God says, no, you are dead. Now I need you to be alive. Praise the name of the Lord. When we see where we are coming from, we know that all of us, we need help. We need help. Praise the name of the Lord. 
The NLT says that all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. Now, let me, let me explain God's anger and God's judgment. This is, God is not that, it's not that God is angry and wants to destroy people. God is saying, this is where my love, my favor, my mercy is. And this is where my wrath and my anger is. That is how it is. So, if, you, if anybody wonders here, the person is subject to what is obtainable here. But if you stay here, you are subject to what is obtainable here. That's how it works. So, that's where we began. But the next verse, verse 4, says, but God. Everybody say, but God. Ah, honestly, I just want to, if I want to sleep at night, I just want to read, but God, I just go to sleep. You know, you know, <laughs> think about all the challenges and I just say, but God, I just go to sleep. But God, but God wouldn't leave us to ourselves. But God, but God, who saw that we should have been actually wiped away and be history and be destroyed, but God. Honestly, I feel like crying. Really. Because I shouldn't be standing here preaching. I don't even deserve it. But God. Who is rich in mercy? Ah. He's rich in mercy. You know, explain it before that. It means that if God had a bank account and he gave you his ATM card and his PIN, and you go there and you punch it out. It's not Naira that will come out. It's not Dollar that will come out. It's messy. It's messy. It's messy. It's messy. It's messy. It's messy. And he says, it's rich in mercy. It's, it does, it, 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 it is not, uh, it's mercy is not scarce with him. What, what is mercy? You know, mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's mercy. Many of us, we don't pray for judgment now. How many of us go to bread and say, God, I need your judgment in my life. Everything I deserve, give it to me. <laughs> how, many of us will, how many of us will say that? You know? We can't. You know, that's why David said, if you were to mark iniquity, who shall stand? But because there's forgiveness with you, therefore we fear you. Because there's forgiveness with God. Therefore, we fear him. It says, who is rich in mercy? He doesn't give us, he hasn't given us what we actually deserve. He's done better to us than we actually deserve. That is mercy. Praise the name of the Lord. That is mercy. You see, of course you know that 
Favor is the other way around. Favor is us getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And God put the two together, grace, uh, sorry, mercy and favor in grace. So when it says that by grace are you saved, it means that for you to be saved, for, for, for you and I to be saved, we actually needed God's mercy, God not giving us what we deserve, and we actually need his favor, him giving us what we don't deserve, the death of his son on the cross of Calvary, before we can be saved. Amen. So, 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 grace, the simple equation is mercy plus favor. Mercy plus favor is grace. And that's what we need to be saved. That's what we need. And as I say, it is not by works. Let any man should boast. It is not, it is purely by grace. But what we are saying is you need to come into that grace. You need to accept it. You remember what we said? In this side there's judgment, there's wrath. In this side there's grace and favor and mercy. He's saying come to this side so that the grace will be upon you. That's what he's saying. The NLT of verse 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. We need to stop here because of time. Because I'm committed to finish at 8. I still have stuff to hopefully we'll continue from here. But the point, the point is this. God It's rich in mercy. It wipes off everything that is written against us. Imagine someone, I'll tell you this story and close. Imagine someone, I don't want to say imagine you because I can't even, I pray that we never happen to you. He's driving and hits a little boy because of recklessness. And kills the little boy. When you should be doing maybe 50 kilometers per hour, you're doing 120 kilometers per hour. That person will go to jail. Do you know that? The person will go to jail. You serve time. I think they call it manslaughter. But you see, after... The person has served time. They release the person to go. Is that mercy? Is that grace? But when they release the person, the person still has a record, they say. A criminal record. In other words, as long as the person is alive, That, if he wants to get a job, he has a record. If he wants to marry a wife, by the time they do research, they say, ah, this is the murderer. <laughs> Leave my daughter alone. If he wants to 
rent a house. They do a background check. Say we don't need people like this in our estate. So he is he, never really free, even though he has, he can't really pay for it, but he has served his time. Now imagine the parents, that's the law. Imagine the parents of that boy. How many years can he serve to bring the boy back? 20 years? 100 years? He can't pay it. So what the law cannot do, the parents of the child can decide to forgive that man and wipe away his sins from their heart and invite him to come and eat Christmas chicken with them. So the parents invite him to his Christmas chicken with them. How will the man feel? Will he walk into the house? How will he feel? How will he feel? And they show the picture of the boy saying that he wants to be a pilot. And they show his little sister that will never have I mean, at least a senior brother. <laughs> so it, is, it just doesn't make sense for the guy to feel, at any point in that relationship, to feel righteous and to feel justifiable. The law could not wipe away the man's record. But the parents could choose to wipe away the man's record and love the man. And that's what God has done for you and I. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet without strength, he died. He sent his son to die for us. And guess what? He chose to love us. He chose to wipe away our record. So when we come before him, there's no, we, we can't have ears now. If you, are, if you are coming to God and you are posing, you really don't know what he has done for you. You really don't know. You have no clue. If you come to God and, and you feel that, oh, I did this, I did that, I built this church, I built that church, I built it, you've not even started. Because there's no church you can build. Build 10,000 churches. You can't pay for your sins. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. God is saying, I have grace here, which is mercy and favor. But the children of the disobedience, they are under my rod, which is judgment. Where are you today? Do you have the mark on your forehead? The seal of the Holy Spirit. What is the statement about you in the spirit realm? You're saying, Pastor, there's no need for long stories. I need to come under the grace of God. I need to come and have the mark of Christ. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Should I come forward? No. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray for you. You don't need to come forward. That is me, Pastor. 
Put up your hand now over your head quickly. If you're putting your hand, put up your hand now over your head. The structures are scrolling. God bless you. But put it up, put it up. Shoot it up. Shoot it up. Shoot it up over your head. Over your head. Over your head. I will pray. For those of us that are online, the structures are scrolling on what to do. God bless you. The hand there. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hands up. The rest of us, let's talk to God. Let's pray. Let's talk to God. Let's pray. You know how maybe our hearts have been lifted up to God. We should see ourselves for who we really are. Father, I thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for upholding me. I'm totally grateful. Totally, totally grateful. Honor and glory are given to you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Tell it in